This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space, a monthly podcast of artist talks, panel discussions, and other events. Tēnā tātou katoa. Nau mai hoki mai ki tēnei kaupapa kōrero o the Physics Room. Nau mai, noho mai, whakatau mai. Kia ora, my name is Abby Kinane and I'm the Director of the Physics Room, a contemporary art space dedicated to developing and promoting contemporary art and critical discourse in Aotearoa. Based in central Ototahi since 1996, we assist artists with resources and opportunities to enable creative and professional development and work to support the acknowledgement and understanding of contemporary art among New Zealanders. Our goal is to actively seek links between the arts and other areas of cultural production and to involve art as a contributing voice in wider intellectual, social and political debate. In this episode of Art Not Science, I am talking with Emerita Bake, Maya MacDonald and Nawia Tutungoro about their work in our current exhibition, Bedrock. This exhibition considers how, in the context of a contemporary gallery, where newness is often emphasised, where projects come in and out with frequency, continuity of relationships is a necessary bedrock. In the practices of these three artists, foundational relationships are explored. Their works connect ideas around the things we make to live with and come home to, the material languages that bring strength or ease in phases of transition, the things that help us remember who we are and where we stand. The makers' relationships with specific and physical materials are not distinct from a wider relational network, including whakapapa, friends, spoken and intuitive languages. These works bring into the room personal narratives about what we each leave the house with, carry with us, and what we return to. Emerita Bake makes sculptural paintings, working across media. She holds a BFA with honours from Toiro Farangi College of Creative Arts, Massey University, Te Whanganui Atara, Wellington. For Bedrock, Emerita is showing four quilts from I Love More Than Two Loves, a series of quilts made in 2019 in response to the experience of living between languages, specifically Korean and English, cultures, and your mother's experiences since moving to Aotearoa from Korea before Emerita was born. The making process involves a traditional Korean, Nubi, and Western quilting techniques and Rami fabric, as well as materials associated with everyday routines, including sleeping bags, shower curtains, and weed mat, alongside textiles painted by the artist. Hung in the gallery space, the quilts are both hefty. These forms may be rocks with molten centres or rain-laden storm clouds animated by static electricity and malleable, something you might fall into to be held like falling onto a bed. Maya MacDonald, Nati Mutunga, Urinui Marai, Teatiawa, Parihaka, works primarily with uku, clay. She is also a writer and curator, and until recently was working as Indigenous curator at Kori Heritage Trust in Nam, Melbourne. Maya's work for Bedrock is a group of three large ceramics, entitled Hapai, made with uku, glazed and fired, in her studio in Namotu, New Plymouth. Hapai means to take up, to shoulder, it can also mean to begin, in the sense of a waiata or karakia, to set off or to rise like the sun. 
Holding the transformative possibility of each of these verbs, the work itself has also moved through states of change, from earth and water, through fire, to ceramic. MacDonald acknowledges this transition in terms of tapu and noa, and through tikanga responsible to shifting of states fundamental in ceramic practice. Ceramic objects hanging by the works in the gallery may be used to strike the larger forms, the resonant sound they make, just one recognition of the non-visual properties of the material. Naoya Tutungoro is an artist who works mainly in sculptural installation and recently completed her master's degree through Elam School of Fine Arts, Tamaki Makoto. Tutungoro's father is Kanak from the South Pacific and her mother is Anglo-Argentinian and European. She lives on Timotu, Waiheke. Naoya's sculptural installation for Bedrock is titled And a Blue Vocoder and Everything is Blue for Them. It centers around an animated hot pool image which bubbles, steams, glows. Originally shown online as part of Mayfair Art Fair in 2020, here the hopple form is returned to as a projection, reconfigured in response to the physics room space and the artist's ongoing research around departures, returns, navigating urban and institutional spaces as an Indigenous woman. A number of bindles occupy the gallery, alongside objects and materials collected by the artist in her daily commutes between her home on Waiheke and her studio in the city. There is a strong sense that these objects will not be here forever, that they mark the space, perhaps as remnants on a tideline wood, with precision and temporarily before returning to the sea. Now let's head into the gallery to hear from the artists themselves. Kia ora mai tato. So to kick off, I just wondered if you would each feel comfortable to introduce yourselves, say where you're from, and maybe say a little bit about your practice in your own words. Yeah. Do you want to start, Naoya? <laughs> yeah, I'll start. Kia ora. My name is Naoya Tutugoro. I live on Waiheke Island. My practice is like ever-evolving, but I would regard myself as a multimedia artist, installation artist. I deal with like sculpture, spiritual mapping, a lot of foraging. I try not to buy materials and I'm a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi everyone, my name's Emerita. I'm currently based in Wellington. I think it's been roughly two years since I've graduated at Massey, and since then I've shown in um, Auckland, Hastings and Wellington, and this is the first time showing in the South Island in Christchurch. Tēnā koutou taranaki I am a ceramic artist, but I am also a painter. I was really lucky to be the student of Wee Taipa who's a ceramic artist, Māori ceramic artist, who's very talented. <laughs> and I spent two years doing that, and I've moved into exhibiting my work in galleries. My first solo show was in Joy Gallery. Yeah, and then I got asked by Abby to be part of this. When I first contacted you guys, I was thinking a lot about relationships and about what the core relationships are when we're working in, in I guess, in contemporary art in the broader sense. I've always been really conscious of how much emphasis there is on newness and youth and the new exciting thing in these kind of spaces and the way the exhibitions come and go with quite um, with frequency, I guess. So we're always like saying hello or saying goodbye. And I don't know, my grand old age, you sort of, I got the idea that I was like, what is that? What is the absolute core that has a continuity across all this change, all this emphasis on newness? I'm wondering if each of you could talk a little bit about the materials and the ideas that form that kind of foundation in your practice. You can take that in any direction if you feel like really talking about materials that you've worked with here or about relationships maybe with people and community and ideas more generally. Yeah. 
Sure. Should I go first? Yeah. <laughs> so um, this is the first body of work I've made since I graduated. And at that time, I was kind of looking at the objects we have in our home. My practice is based on my mum's experience living with a language barrier here. So it was really important for me to kind of draw information and ideas from our house. And I found at that time, I kind of noticed our blankets that we have at home. So here, a lot of people have like duvet covers and duvet inners, whereas it's really common in Korean households, they're not separated, they're just one thing. And there's often like a lot of stitching and embroidery on them. And that's when I came across this um, traditional hand stitching technique called Nubi, which I kind of wanted to integrate in my own work, just because I was really interested in this repetition of lines, forms across the entire blanket. And I started merging that idea with the Western kind of patchwork quilting to kind of create this conversation of migrant experiences, you know, experiences from two different cultures and just this kind of new conversation that can come about when your life is like merged between two different places. So... Can um, I just ask you, um, I know each of the works is named for a specific person. Yeah. Would, you, would you be okay to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, when I kind of think about my work, even though they're like objects, artworks, you know, this thing that's around you, I kind of try view them and think about them as like human experiences, kind of these metaphorically a body and things like that. So they're named after people that I know that kind of experience a language barrier here and that we share those kind of conversations or what happens around that. So that one is was the first one I made. The name is Julie, which, my, which is my mum's name. And Cena is actually the, was like the messy cleaner. But she was so sweet and I just like loved seeing her every day. And you know, you see someone every day, you kind of have to start saying hi if you're seeing them every single day for four years. Mm-hmm. So we started becoming friends and I wanted to name work after her. No. That one's, yeah, Jesse. And that was my flatmate. And that one's um, Spring, which was a close friend from uni. So I wanted to name them after people. So when people look at the room sheet, I think it gives them a better idea that the works are really closely related to kind of people's experiences. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely my experience. It's like there's all those people in the room as well, which yeah. I really love. Yeah. What about you, Mia? Materials are very important to my practice because I'm working with Papa Tuanuku. So when I'm inhabiting that space where I go and gather her up, I'm really mindful. It's a really mindful experience for me. And I do karakia. I have my go-to karakia to bring about a situation that I feel is safe, culturally speaking. The materials that I've worked with for bedrock where I've got an Irish clay, which is the orb shapes. Then I've got a porcelain that is, unfortunately, I was trying to get hold of this really beautiful coromandel clay, which I managed to have, I had some left over, which are the little strikers that you'll see. And I invite everybody here to um, use the hemp cord to pull and release, and you'll be able to strike these objects. So it's sort of like, I see it as activating those materials and you can 
feel like you're becoming a part of the work and hearing those sounds. Um, and you can sort of see how my body has been pressing <laughs> or my hands have been pressing into the materials, which was really important when, when I was creating these forms because it's really, like, you have to be quite physically strong and active and, like, you're really inhabiting your body when you're making these these forms. Mm. So especially with the orb forms because they it's actually quite a large form to make in terms of ceramics and then to transport them here as well. Um, they're called hapai, which is about support, but maybe we'll get into that a little bit further along. Yeah, so that's materials. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I remember you saying, like, emailing and being like, it made like I'm so much less stressed like you've been carrying around this huge load yeah. of stress for the whole duration of making them firing two firings eh? yeah two firings yeah. so it's going and finding your spot or your little areas that you'll go to there was um two uku artists that I connected with Alex was one of them <laughs> hi Alex <laughs> and another woman Caitlin and it's just so amazing to have those contacts to talk to people who are really going out and they're really interested and in not taking away too much and being really respectful of how that practice is actually really important because you can go out and buy like a ton of clay but what's that doing to the environment when we're actually needing to be careful about how our practices are influencing what's happening to the environment mm. yeah yeah mm. Thank you. can i ask you a question yeah. <laughs> how do you um, know when, like, how much or not enough, you know, when you go to these places mm. and you're using the clay, like, how do you make that decision? Uh, you can usually tell when you're looking at the area, like, what's an okay amount, and I take, like, very tiny amounts, and then sometimes I'll, like, make a little bowl as, like, an offering, you sort of gauge it when you're in the space. You can sort of feel the energy. It's it's quite an interesting place to have it. Yeah. 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 I guess kind of like riffing off what Maya was saying about like we're all doomed for extinction. So I um, <laughs> look at like home making. So the materials are kind of like always extending off previous works so the digital piece is a reconfiguration like I'm revisiting part of a virtual art fair that I was lucky to be invited to Mayfair Art Fair which is online it was like for a limited time unfortunately but um so taking uh the sparkle and the Persian rug and kind of looking at these spaces which are in my mind and like part of memories and um, so I was born in a birthing spa, which is what the spa was about, and then the Persian rug, which is actually a total reference to a rug that we have in our family home, which my grandfather passed away on and my brother was born on. So um, really autobiographical, but there are also objects that are really open and kind of like universal, and then the tartan what looks like tartan this was a camping blanket that we've just had in our house for ages and I was like mom can I make some art out of it please <laughs> but just like these things I don't know like a blankie or a or a, a fabric or a texture that is comforting um yeah when I do the spiritual mapping it's all about bringing things together 
that in my mind like make sense but then I guess are also sort of accessible or um, symbolic to everyone so people can look at the work and maybe connect with it in an entirely different way. I also really like dissolving like the inside and outside or like these binaries of like soft and hard or what you know these like dreams and reality and I'm really into dissolving that and like just conceptions of like sort of time and, and space as well maybe as so having these pieces that are part of the installation that were made like four years ago and then things that are coming up that are still kind of like wet or like breakable yeah I remember when, when we met first, like a couple of years ago, you were talking about these commuting journeys where you're like living on Waiheke and you're traveling into Auckland to your studio and you're gathering all these things along the way. Yeah. Is it like still part of your your process, the gathering? Yeah. The yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially during lockdown, I was walking around a lot on the island and yeah, kind of like what I could, like what caught my eye and what like made sense to me or what and they were like the weirdest things like I was like oh that's a real beautiful leaf like things that I could carry like I would never like I was kind of like the device for like recording my journeys and I was like the map maker and mm. I am the map maker stuff yeah mm. thank you yeah you are listening to Art Not Science presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space I wanted to come back to the title of your work, to Hapai, um, and also to the sound. I know the sound component, you talked about it being like an igniting igniting of the modi of the work, and I just wondered if you could spend some time talking about that. And also, uh, we spoke quite a bit during the development of your understanding of how the materials move through Tapu State and into a North State in the final fire form. So I just wondered if you could expand a little bit on those things, maybe starting with the title. Mm. So unpacking the word hapai is, it's been about a bit of a learning journey, I think, (laughs) because it has like its literal meaning, which is like support or shoulder or marrying it to the ideas inside of bedrock, being journeying and having these new relationships with these beautiful artists and yourself, like um, opening the spaces up for us. So I think a lot of the time when you're making the work, it's not until you get to the end that you start to realise or actualise what it is. Like there's so many artworks that I almost see as predicting what happens when you get into the space. And it's sort of like a little bit of a something to move towards Mm -hmm. so I saw Harpai as that it's like wanting to embody support wanting to embody shouldering that sort of move like I'm sort of getting a little bit lost in the emotion of it because it's I think it is like more of an emotional feeling rather Mm -hmm. than a destination Mm -hmm. like the work's not like it's going to be changing because of also the sound mm-hmm. and how people want to interact with that and the, it's actually this one that's furthest away from me that one to me embodies most the t- state of tapu so it's kind of it's a lot more complex has angles it has an unknown quantity almost because you're not quite sure what's happening 
like it has sort of the darkness at the bottom and all of these different angles is I think it's almost like um, synesthesia (laughs) like looking at an object and having all of these sort of meanings to do with tapu and then these two orbs are sort of their shapes are embodying for me like the feminine like noah so yeah it's it's a bit of a journey and I'm still trying to understand them and it'll be really interesting to actually see people interacting with them and whether they'll be timid or what will come out in their personalities <laughs> and whether they'll be like hectically banging them and you know maybe something might break and that's okay as well because I think as a ceramicist when you're making when you're making things you have to be prepared to let go you have to be prepared to put something into a kiln and it is not going to work. Like, you've just been working for, like, a solid month. Like, I actually had... I have to relay this story. My partner might get upset, but no, he'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> we moved to the Coromandel and I had spent... Like, I did learn how to carve when I was with Wei, and I carved this really beautiful piece. And I said to him, please don't unload the car. We're really tired. We've been traveling for, like, two days. And he started pulling out all the stuff in the back, and then the pot just smashed on the ground. And I was like, that took me two years to make that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I, I feel as though... Like, there's a duty of care when you're in a gallery, and I totally understand that. But I want people to have a relationship to my work in a way. Like, I don't want them to be all the time, like, this reverence, you know, this, like, sacredness. I want there to be this common thing. And maybe that's about what it's about with the ground, like being on the ground and inhabiting the space where you're sitting on and where you're walking through and where you're standing. So... Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I know it's like a lot to work through these last few days, like figuring out about placing them on the ground because this is the first time you've displayed your works in that way. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, it's hectic to put your work on the ground because it's, you know, that's a common space, you know, that's a common area where those works are and those works normally in a gallery you would be seeing them on a plinth and then there'd be like a line and you're not allowed to cross it Yeah. Oh, I appreciate you trusting. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> played the work. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you. Now, I just wondered, you've spoken a little bit about how they might comfort us, how they might placate us in different states of being, in particular at times of migration or transition or navigation, all, all kinds of movement. But, but if you could return to that, the idea of the social, the social object, I think I've learned a lot about that from you. Yeah, I feel like this whole show is real musical. That's just me. And then I was like, it's like a lullaby. This whole space is like a lullaby. But just thinking about, especially the fabric, I think, like, because my work has a real, like, nostalgic undertone to it. And I'm looking at this past, present, future kind of, like, dissolving or... Did you talk about that fabric relating to your dad's flag as well? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, the colour scheme. And these are things that are, like, again, like, in my mind. But then I don't know if they're, like, yeah, they're not, like, overtly, like, people get it. But, yeah, so I guess that's a way that it sort of speaks to 
maybe a, a sense making or a making of sense for me personally. Um, and it speaks to that, yeah, the colour of the Kanak flag, which relates to the environment. It's got the sun, the sky, the green earth and the blue and the yellow. So all these like primary colours. But um, yeah, I feel like objects have that ability to comfort us. And I guess when I think about the fact that I like sucked my thumb till I was 15 and I had this like particular silk texture and it was just like nothing could replace that and it was it was just like this world for me Mm -hmm. um and I don't know if it spoke to me but there's so much I guess like with the works that I've presented in the installation like the pieces are are so personal but yeah are so open Mm -hmm. um so I hope they speak to you in their own kind of way do you want to touch on the title as well oh yeah I remember it was like sometime coming to this title and then I was like, whoa, what's that? Yeah. So again, just roughing off what I was thinking about when I was saying this is like a lullaby, this whole space feels like a lullaby or it's really musical and how human voice is like, for me, like just, it's just like a phenomenon. Like you hear like someone's, I don't know, voice is real special to me anyway. Again, being like nostalgic, I was thinking of that song. Um, I can't believe I'm singing it right now. We all know Eiffel 65. I'm blue. Kind of shows your age, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, me and my brother, when we were little, we used to have, like, a cassette recorder and, like, we would try to, like, record our dreams. Anyway, everyone was sort of, like, stuck on the chorus. And I just love how probably all over the world everyone was trying to figure out, like, and, like, everyone thought it was, like, they were saying something and then some people thought it was just... But I actually watched this documentary on Vice about Apple 65 and that song being released and they use this machine called a vocoder which is similar to auto-tune anyway I just kind of like mixed up the lyrics of that song with that device which changes the sound of your voice which I love but yeah just playing I guess playing with like these moments from my childhood that again um, maybe relatable and like mixing up the lyrics and yeah I guess referencing the body as well um, like voice and uh, yeah, what I can carry and what it, what's around me, what's site specific. Yeah, the double D double die. I'm really fascinated by that chorus because they they're literally just saying sounds, like mm. they're not saying words. And it's like it was like a hit all over the world. Yeah. And I was like, human voice. Like you just be like boop boop boop, and like it's a number. Like obviously it's not a material. But, yeah. yeah, but yeah, it becomes a material. That's yeah. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. It becomes a material. And I, yeah, I feel like I'm always singing. So yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. To that. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Emerita, I want to come back to you. Um, so these are existing works that were yeah. made prior to the show. I guess I'm just curious about your experience of bringing them back into public visibility and coming back into this space. If you could talk a little bit about that, about how this last week's been and what it's meant to you to bring them back. Oh, this last week's been so good. <laughs> it's honestly made me reflect on my everyday life, which is like, I'll think about that later. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I feel like when you're creating works, there's sometimes a really small gap between making the works and installing for me. 
So I didn't realize at the time, but there's still little bits of my like head and my energy back into that time when I was like making the work. And I thought when you revisit works and you show them again, it's a really easy job, but no, it's not. It's <coughs> completely different. And this time it was really great to look at my work after not really properly seeing it for maybe two years, a year and a half because I feel like my practice has matured quite a bit and just things I'm looking out for, things that I know I want to continue working on. So it's been really nice to kind of revisit the work and have more is it patience with it, being able to kind of look at it in a new way, have some more time or space to just look at the small things that I just wasn't really aware of at that time. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's been amazing for me too. I hadn't seen them in the flesh before they arrived. So that was like a digital thing materializing into um, into real space. So it's been, yeah, it's been a great week for me too. Yeah. Just really to, to wrap up before we move into some questions, I just wondered if each of you to speak a little bit about what's coming what's coming up next for you, project, a project that you're working on. Uh, there will be, in total for me, six exhibitions this year. So... <laughs> I think uh, it's going to be like a lot, but I'm so glad because this is the first one for me this year. I've just had such an incredible time with these two beautiful, and <laughs> just beautiful people. And so I think if I was just to touch on the two that are coming to mind for me, I've got a show coming up in a dealer gallery called Space, which is up in Napier. And the works are quite otherworldly and they're just exploring just this whole, it's almost like alien world <laughs> is how I would describe it. And then I've got another show at Te Uru, which is up in Auckland. And yeah, I won't go through all of them because it'll just take too much time. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully working again with Abby and everyone in the future, but I have a show coming up, a group show coming up in May at Tutui, and then later on I have a show at Robert Heald, I think, end of August. Cool. Yeah. But um, I'm, you know, like, when this is so corny, but you're like, oh, things happen for a reason, blah, blah, blah. But I'm real glad that these works were the first ones I've shown for the year because after some time and making some works, I started to realise that I want to kind of revisit what's happening here. And that's what I'm really focusing on this year, kind of drawing from this body of work. So it's really nice to see it up. This is the first time I've hung the work like this before which is really exciting and you'll see a lot of iterations of mm -hmm. this kind of vibe hopefully I'm looking forward to it what's coming up this is the first time I've been to the South Island so I'm just I'm just taking it all in day by day, hour by hour, second by second. Um, I don't yeah I don't really I don't really know what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Who am I now? <laughs> yeah, I love it here. I'm moving to Christchurch. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Plot twist, yeah. Um, I don't know. I can't think. Yeah, There's I'm just two. gonna take this all in right now because it's really beautiful. And thank you so much, Abby, for and Carmel actually for just being so hospitable. 
Yeah, it's a real honor to just be here. (laughs) So on that really wonderful note, I wonder if anyone had any questions they would like to ask the artists or me, if there's anything you'd like to hear a little bit more about, or if you feel completely sated. (laughs) I just wanted to ask you about your spiritual mapping. Yeah. What, for you, what is it? Um... I feel like it's quite intuitive. I definitely try to tap into like my inner child. Yeah, so I kind of trying to preserve my imaginative side and the sort of lightness of um, making things make sense when you put them next to each other. And like a cup can be a bathtub if you want it to be. Kind of like being my own exception to the rule as well. That's a big part of that. Is it also about traversing space? So you're like literally crossing space and you're like building personal maps all the time of those journeys? Yeah. Recording them in your way? Yeah. Yeah. Traversing space. Yeah. I always like, I was like real (laughs) obsessed with time travel. I still actually am. You know, when you listen to a song and it takes you back to a time or like, you know, you smell the cool charm roll on and you're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I'm thinking of like Atomic Kittens or something. You know, like it just takes you... Like, I love those, like, transportational elements to materials and just things, you know? Because I feel like those are the things that, like, connect us. And that kind of is also, like, the keys on the map, you know? Mm. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah it does. Thank you very much. Cool. Yeah, I was very curious. Sweet. Thank you. And how can I... I wanted to know from our lovely ceramicist if you're looking at any uh, clay, Christchurch clay, I actually have already looked at some, which I was so lucky because we went and Hamish is standing right next to you. Um, we went to a potluck and your partner, Caitlin? Katie. Kate, yeah. She had all of these amazing foraged clays in a bucket and she let me touch all the different ones and she's going to be sharing a spreadsheet with me that, that has like, some, some serious like lo- location uh, for, for me to scout out. I think you have to, I mean, it's, it's a lot about walking around, so you've got to be into just walking and not getting anything, but then maybe sometimes walking and finding some stuff. But her clays, she had a couple that were really rare because this is a thing with some of my practice you'll find a clay that will do just the most amazing amazing thing and you'll only be able to find just a tiny tiny amount of it but she had oh, some of her clays were just so yeah just like getting a bit hot is there any other hot or not yeah, Jen. Uh, Maya, um, Cole Johnson, Smart Team. I have an observation and then a question. And I can like this, this work of yours. You were talking about lines around objects to keep them, you know, um, safe and revered. It occurred to me that this, this lovely vertical is in fact one of those lines. It's, it's just not on the floor, even though it actually it inhabits our space, doesn't it? It takes our eye to the floor, which will probably actually, I think, look after the works on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the observation. The question is, it's extraordinary to me when you when you were talking about you know labouring so hard and putting so much art into these works that 
one they could be hit and one they could break, which is an extraordinary thought for a, a, a ceramicist. Okay. Um, and is there, is there any particular ritual of, of striking? I mean, do we do we hold it here and just? I mean, I, you know, I'm not sure what to do. Is, have you, in terms of the, the activating the, the sonic aspect, can you can you show us, or are you happy for us to sort of? Oh yeah, yeah. I can give you a demo. I mean, it's. I think it's interesting what you're saying. Is there a, is there a ritual around striking? Yeah. And within the tamako practice, there is that striking that you'll hear, and I did hear. It's almost like I can hear the ancestors, or I can hear like. Oh yeah, they got such a difference. And they all—they're almost like their own look, have their own personhood, mm. or that. And if you do, you want to pull that one there. Mm. Yeah. Does anyone else have a, have a final question? Um, how, Enrita, when I see your, your works, like, I find them really, I definitely feel that kind of, the intimacy of them, like, I kind of, they're really, like, I feel like they're really tactile, like, how, have you, have you ever activated them in the sense of, like, actually, like, putting them on your bed or anything, or have you kind of kept them as a secret? I have. I've lied on them and like kind of put them up, but it's also like the blue material is really sensitive to kind of the oil on your hands. So that's been a bit of a mission, but I'm very, what do you call it? Like reckless. And I make a lot of mistakes. I'm really clumsy. So they kind of have to be really malleable and sturdy and be able to move around for me to be able to continue make to make my work like I don't think I'm able to like make really like fragile mm. or like sensitive stuff because nothing will be made if that was the case <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's an interesting thing like all the works in the show they've had to travel some way to come here yeah. and they all did for whatever reason they are, they are robust works I mean they've got their vulnerabilities but they've come a long way and they've, ta they've taken some quite interesting journeys to get here so they've really um, tested the boundaries they have of yeah. artworks <laughs> <laughs> hey thank you thank you again so much you guys for what you shared it's been really really amazing to hear from the artist now yeah so I just want to I just want to acknowledge that work again and I know that you're all going tomorrow so this is the last chance to say publicly thank, thank you so much for, for everything. The show is about to come to life and be here with us for seven, about seven weeks. So thank you all again for coming on to support us opening. And let's go and have a drink and celebrate it. That was Emerita, Maya and Nawia talking to me about their work in our current exhibition, Bedrock. The exhibition runs until Sunday 30th of May and the gallery is open 11am to 5pm on Tuesdays through Fridays and 11am to 4pm on Saturdays and Sundays. Thank you for listening and tune in again next month on Friday 21st of May, 8pm for our next episode of Art Not Science. Matewa.
The Physics Room is generously supported by Creative New Zealand, the Christchurch City Council, the Rata Foundation, Three Boys Brewery, Scientech, Resine Paints, and the Crater Rim.